Hey, I'm Paul Garcia. You're going to listen to an awesome conversation with me and Garrett Taylor. Garrett's still right here, actually. But just bear with me through the beginning of this episode. We cover some some rough territory. It might be a little disturbing to some listeners, maybe, but just bear with me because this is a story that you are not going to want to miss. The whole thing's incredible. The ending is insane and extremely inspiring. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Garrett Taylor. Garrett Taylor, man, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. I appreciate your time very much. Yeah, no problem, man. Appreciate you having me. My pleasure. I'm excited to dive into your story. I I think it's really fascinating because you went from, for lack of a better term, hellion, menace when uh, when you were a younger guy, into, you know, a family man, a really great guy now in a very short period of time, quicker, and and you traveled further on that spectrum, more so than anyone else I know, honestly, and quicker than anyone else I know. And before we get into, you know, who you are now in the transition, of course we got to go in chronological order. We got to start with where you came from. But before we dive into that really interesting part of your story, I want to say a quick thank you to a sponsor. Actually, I just want to tell the people something. Are you a sharp, charismatic, independent person living in central Illinois? Are you looking for an exciting job with flexible hours where you will hone your sales, communication, and marketing skills and only occasionally be asked to come to a physical location in Fairbury? Well then, listen up. Aftershock Decals and Design is a premier graphic design studio that's looking for a part-time salesperson. Garrett, are you listening? Yes, sir. To join the growing team, whether you're a student looking for some valuable experience while pursuing your degree or a stay-at-home mom who's craving some part-time work and extra income or someone who's just sick and tired of working an 8-to-5 desk job, this position could be exactly what you're looking for. And on a personal note, I've worked with this team at Aftershock Decals and Design a number of times and they're excellent and there's a reason why they're adding to their team because they make tons of great products and they're growing every year. This is a fantastic opportunity to sharpen in your sales chops and earn some serious dough. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, go ahead and email your resume to kirk at aftershockdd.com or apply online at aftershockdd.com forward slash jobs to begin what might be your dream career. Garrett, have you ever worked in sales before? Um, no, not necessarily. Fair enough. <laughs> so, whoops. So let's go ahead and jump into your story here. And as I said, I'd like to go in chronological order and and more than me, you know, give a summary of the whole darn thing. Maybe you can tell us like a little bit about where you come from and and what your younger life was like. Yeah, um, maybe first we'll just kind of get a quick overview or summary of the whole situation in my life. Um, I guess uh, my life's just full of me making a whole bunch of wrong decisions. going down a whole bunch of wrong roads, uh, making a huge mess in my life, um, to the point where I was, uh, I found myself down in North Carolina, homeless, um, addicted to meth and heroin, um, you know, in and out of jail and hospitals, um, overdosing like six times, uh, and just totally lost, dude. Like, uh, I was, uh, I just remember, um, walking down some railroad tracks and just crying out for help to God, dude. And, uh, he came through with his grace and everything. Um, and, uh, I started, it wasn't instantly, but, uh, eventually I started getting my life back together, started praying, um, and then met my wife and, um, ever since then I've been, it's been great, but, uh, but we'll get, we'll dive into more details here in a minute, but yeah, it's been, it's been crazy, dude. 
holy cow, man. Yeah. I didn't. So I told you I had a tough time doing my research on you and your story. I had no idea of all that. That kind of just stunned me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of craziness that went down, but we'll get to it. <laughs> right. We will get to it. We've got all the time we need. Let's talk about then, you know, where this all start? Because typically someone who finds himself overdosing on heroin and meth, I mean, they, they come from somewhere at least very interesting. So maybe I could ask, you know, what was your early childhood like? What was your yeah. upbringing? Um, so my upbringing, you know, uh, when I was a little kid, I was, I was a pretty good kid, you know, uh, had a good family, um, was big into hunting and fishing and outdoors and everything, um, for the most part, a really good kid, um, all the way until like, I guess it was probably maybe around eighth grade. Um, I started, you know, um, falling into peer pressure, started kind of to, I mean, it was my fault of course, but, uh, you know, kind of started smoking and drinking. Um, and I guess it was probably the summer of eighth grade year. I started, I was working for this like a farmer kind of by my house, um, he had all sorts of exotic animals that I would like take care of and plant trees for him. And he was paying me like uh, a lot of cash under the table. Like uh, I was making like 800 bucks a week uh, when I was in eighth grade. And w what's the eighth grader going to do with that much cash when his parents don't really know about it? Well, um, I was like buying weed and doing all sorts of bad stuff with it, you know. Um, I guess that's when it really started, when like I really started going off track, you know, Um because, like I said, when I was younger, uh, I was doing pretty good, you know, um, big into sports, um, grades were pretty good, um, but then it just kind of started veering off. So, mm -hmm. um, And for people that don't know uh, you, most people that watch us, maybe, maybe not actually, uh, some people will know you're from Prairie Central, Fairbury, Prairie Central, and, you know, I was the grade below you, actually, and so I, I was, you know, right next to you while you're going through this stuff. Not right next to you, we weren't really friends at all, but I, I can remember in, like, 6th and 7th grade, even 8th grade, I mean, phenomenal athlete, but you're saying that's when this transition for the worst kind of occurred. Right, yeah, I guess, uh, so I I was uh, decent in football, um, and that might have kind of been uh, a downfall. Cause like I started hanging out with older people, you know, like I was playing, uh, uh, some higher up levels of football when I was younger. So I like made friends with the older people and they were of course into partying and stuff. Um, so I started doing the same thing, you know? Um, but hmm. you know. now eighth grade, you know, a lot of times, maybe most people will start experimenting with drinking in the party scene <clears throat> in high school, but eighth grade, that's, that's pretty young. Did any part of you feel scared by that or intimidated by that whole scene or did uh, it feel normal? No, it felt normal. You know, I was, uh, I was just into, like, I, I thought it was cool. You know, I thought it was a cool thing to do to go to these college parties or, um, smoke weed with older kids, you know, um, I, I just thought it was at the time I thought it was uh, a cool thing to do, but and <laughs> and what went on like at home? Did your parents know about this or anything? Um, to a certain extent, you know, they knew I was uh, um, starting to not do as good as I used to, you know. Um, and they tried, they tried, they really tried everything that they could do, you know. But I was, I was, it was either my way or the highway, I guess you could say, you know. I mean, if they tried to ground me or take my phone, I would, uh, you know, just go get a new phone or like because uh, you go, had the money, yeah, or go do some or like just leave, you know. <laughs> mm. um, you just leave. What do you mean? Where would you uh, go? 
to a friend's house or somewhere, you know, if they tried to ground me, um, I wouldn't really be grounded. (laughs) So yeah, they tried, you know, I mean, uh, but I was just, uh, you know, not, not a good kid. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It seemed like no one really could control you. Yeah. I remember even. Yeah. For the most part, you know, I had a real problem with, uh, respect and authority, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Do you think you were like, you had, you were inclined rather than to listen to authority to outright defy and disrespect authority? Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess you could say that, you know, if uh, someone told me I shouldn't do it, I would probably just do it just, just to show them I could, <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess you could say, I don't know, man, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I just, I'm curious, I want to have like a psychological insight into this. Where do you think that reckless, not, not reckless, but that, that willingness to, you know, go against authority more than willingness even, where does that come from? Like, is it, is it genetic or <clears throat> did you see someone that you looked up to doing that or acting that way or what um, do you think? No, I mean, I, I guess that's a good question. I mean, I don't really know. Uh, I guess I, I just thought I was, thought I could do it. I, I, I don't really know how to answer that, but, uh, there was no one I really looked up to that was doing it. You know, um, my parents were, uh, I had really good parents, you know, um, so mm-hmm. it was just, I, I don't know where it came from. <laughs> right. And you know, what's crazy. And I'm throwing my own, uh, recollection of this into here, but it's like in eighth grade, especially honestly, even in the freshman year and so on, you could pretty much get away with doing what you want. Cause no one was going to take you out. You know, you were, right. a, you were a big kid, an athletic, strong kid who had a a reputation for being pretty freaking tough. So did you feel like no one could touch you at all or? Um, I mean, I guess you could, uh, say that, I guess back, uh, back in that time, I might've been a little cocky about things. Um, just, uh, (laughs) young and dumb, I guess you could say. Right. And this is coming from the perspective, you know, my, take it with a grain of salt, what I'm saying, because I was a smaller guy for sure. So it's like, I might think you thought so much of yourself or whatever like that. And and as we're talking about this, like, I know you're a great guy. And so I just want to mention again, as we as we talk about the past, I don't do it to highlight the past and say, like, oh, this is you or anything like that. It's just to contrast the person you are now. Right. It's like, look how far you can go. Yeah, I mean, it was me and it still would be me if it wasn't uh, for the grace of God and me, like, learning about Jesus and uh, letting the Holy Spirit take take place in my life. So, mm-hmm. Okay, I want to ask about that. But just for the sake of keeping this thing rolling, right? Talk about your high school experience. You know, this a lot of this started in eighth grade, high school. I mean, I don't mean to glorify it, but you had some legendary uh, stunts and and pranks. I don't know what you want to call them, but I was wondering if you could tell us about a few uh, of those. I mean, uh, in high school, you know, I, I my junior year, I ended up getting expelled uh, for the remainder of junior year because I got caught some uh some weed brownies in school um but then I was able to come back uh senior year to finish out the year but I mean there was a lot of rumors about me doing all these senior pranks and stuff uh some of them might have been true some of them might not have been true but uh you know yeah they they're pretty hard on me (laughs) (laughs) yeah man for sure and you know, dang it, Garrett, I hate doing this, but I, I want to keep asking you questions yeah, because no, good. people have wondered about this stuff. Like, first of all, did someone have an adverse reaction to the weed brownies in high school? And it was like kind of a, uh, you know, yeah, I guess, uh, 
one don't of the say girls, names if you no, know. No, I'm not going to say no names. Uh, <laughs> okay. No, uh, one of the girls that ate one, um, I told her to just take like a bite or eat half of it, but I think she ate the whole thing and got a little, got a little too buzzed off it and ended up having to like, she was in, she like, uh, passed out, I think. And yeah, so that's how I got caught. Were you like crapping your pants when that happened or were you not even worried? Uh, <sighs> I was probably pretty scared. I was uh-huh. probably like, "Oh snap!" You know, I'm I'm down now. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. And so that event happened, and then one more event I was hoping you talk about was uh, the school school break in. Oh um, yeah, someone uh, you know, got into the school. Uh, I don't really know exactly what happened. Um, all I know is they tried blaming me for it. You know, they say that uh, wasn't you. No, no. No way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't even know who it was, but yeah, they thought it was me. You know, they searched my house looking for anything that had, because uh, I think someone they like spray painted or I, I don't know what happened, but uh, hold up, or okay. put like some oil or honey on stairwells. I don't know. I just heard what they accused me of. You know? Huh. Yeah. I thought there was. Oh my gosh, man! This is where rumors. Let's let's squash any rumors right now. I heard. That it was you, and they caught you because your phone connected to the Wi-Fi. And they were like, oh, 3 a.m., Garrett Taylor's uh, Wi-Fi connected to the school. That's when the break-in happened. No, no. They uh, they, they they sent me to the office that next morning um, and went and, like, searched my house. And they didn't find anything because I, I wasn't involved in it. And there was no Wi-Fi or anything that was connected to me. <laughs> So this is why you go straight to the source with stories like that. Yeah. My goodness. Does that tick you off? Or yeah, that- I actually heard that rumor uh, before and uh, it, it's not, that's not true. That's not, that has nothing to do with anything. So, wow, man, were there any other rumors just around high school time that are just baloney that you've heard that you'd like to stomp out right now? Uh, not that I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, I, there's many rumors that went down, but uh, okay. Man, I got one more. Yeah. Gosh, I've never been put in such a weird position like this before. I feel like I'm, I don't know, I'm not trying to ruin your reputation here. But oh, I'm, no. You no, know. you're good, dude. Okay. I want to ask this one. Uh, you know, and, and like I said, no matter what, I, I'm just doing like a journalist work here. I'm asking the right. question. It's nothing super secret. It's a. It was a big rumor. Did you ever, um, did you ever bury cats neck deep in the ground and run them over with a mower no no not at all one time i uh shot a cat out of the tree because any wild cats around our house you know uh they would scratch our dog bird dogs up so i've shot a few cats but i've never done nothing like that dude wow man yeah like i said i'm sorry i was really you know these sound so far-fetched and i remember hearing them and people like no dude i swear and i'm a pretty skeptical person anyway it's like how can this guy interact with me i remember on the track team you i mean you're a normal guy you just got into trouble but these rumors seem so far-fetched i'm like yeah you know i mean they're just honestly that's pretty crazy (laughs) that one you've never heard that one though i've i've heard of i didn't know that people were talking about me about doing that but i've heard of people saying other people have done that but Hmm. Uh, no, that's not true at all, <laughs> man. Okay. While we're just trekking through this stuff and you're, you know, stomping these stupid rumors, honestly, 
I remember you getting into to fights a lot. And it was kind of an awesome thing from my perspective. I was like, dang, dude, this guy's he's tough. You should have wrestled is what you should have done. Yeah. I mean, you really should have wrestled. But, I mean, you got into some fights uh, in high school that were pretty, pretty big-time fights. I was wondering if you could tell us, like, why were you into that type of thing? Uh, I mean, dude, just back in the day, man, I was just uh, not smart, man. I would just walk around uh specifically like at the fairberry fair you know mm-hmm. every year i would like when i was younger uh probably until like junior year or maybe even sophomore year like fresh freshman year and sophomore year i guess when it was i would fight like i would just walk around and like try to like pick fights with these like other kids that uh i didn't even know you know i would just pick fights and then sometimes they would agree to it and i would fight them you know it was just why i did it, i don't know i guess i just uh i was just cocky and I thought it was cool you know like because people made a big deal about it you know like there would be like almost 100 people like circled up and I'd be fighting you know it was just like crazy so wow yeah you did you ever did you ever lose uh not in those fights one time down at a party in Champaign um I don't really remember it exactly but I was probably way way uh um I guess you could say drunk and uh this kid whooped up on me pretty good Mm. <laughs> but yeah is this is all kind of embarrassing talking about because i right. look back at it i'm just like wow <laughs> i know that's what dude, that's why i feel so bad because i can tell when you look back at yourself you're like a sh- ticked off or ashamed maybe of, of your former self and it's like dude hey that's not me anymore you yeah know? yeah and like i said you know I, I just want to talk about that to contrast who you are now and you know right before we I, I plan on transitioning now and uh what the heck happened after high school I'm genuinely curious here, but before we do that, in in spirit of a wonderful transition that we're about to talk about, I want to say a quick thank you to a couple sponsors that I love and that you know and love. Fairbury Furniture, first of all, is Central Illinois' premier furniture store. Wouldn't you agree, Garrett? Oh, yeah, definitely. For sure. The family-owned business offers a vast selection of premium furniture items from all of your favorite brands, including Sealy, Best Home Furnishings, Leather Italia, Tempur-Pedic, and Ashley, just to name a few. And right next door to their gorgeous 7,000-square-foot furniture showroom, you will find the Fairbury Furniture Mattress Store, home to all the latest and greatest mattresses in any and all sizes. Here at Fairbury Furniture, the staff is helpful and friendly, and they are well-stocked with all the mattresses, tables, chairs, recliners, couches, rugs, and decorative pillows that your heart desires. So make your home interior beautiful, comfortable, stylish, and delightful when you shop at Fairbury's own Fairbury Furniture. Gary, you ever slept on something less than a mattress? What am I saying here? You ever had a, you ever had a, you ever slept on something that wasn't a mattress? Gosh. Oh yeah. <laughs> right on. Oh yeah. Why do yeah. you say oh yeah? Uh, I mean, I've slept, uh, I mean, I was, yeah, I've slept on all sorts of stuff. <laughs> Grounds, you know, yeah. <laughs> I guess when I was homeless, like probably, probably for at least like four months of the this this homeless stint, like I uh, I didn't sleep on any beds. There was no beds involved, you know. Um, Holy smokes! So. Well, dang. Okay, I got one more message right here from Dave's Supermarket in Fairbury, a place we all know and love, and we've all been there. And I'm gonna play that really quick, and then I want to talk about this crazy story that you have. Since 1950, Dave's Supermarket in Fairbury has been wowing customers throughout central Illinois with their unmatched customer service, delectable deli market, beloved grocery carryout service, and many other fortes, which is why they've earned hundreds of five-star reviews online. 
Dave's Third Street Deli has plenty of seating and is a destination place to meet your family and friends for good food, fun, and fellowship. Not only is their homestyle fried chicken here the best around, but you can also enjoy free coffee and 50 cent ice cream every single day. And be sure to check out their Old World Bakery while you're here, where freshly baked goods are prepared every morning. You'll find hundreds of unique and signature items here at Dave's that you won't find anywhere else, like their famous potato salad, ham loaf, and canned meats, just to name a few. Dave's Supermarket is open Monday through Saturday from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. and offers online shopping and curbside services. Come experience this revered location that puts a super in supermarket when you shop at Dave's in Fairbury, Illinois, wowing the customer for over 70 years. All right, we are back. That was Dave's Supermarket. Okay, Garrett, you were just telling me about a wild story. Well, you were saying that you slept on not beds for quite a while, you know, right after high school. I guess I'll kind of give you the reins here. What exactly happened after you graduated? Um, all right, well, there's a lot. Uh, yeah, take your time. I guess um, directly after high school, you know, I started working on this other farm, um, and uh, was working with some people that got me into uh, cocaine. Like, uh, so I started like doing cocaine and working on this pig farm, and then I started like selling the cocaine and um, ended up getting caught with it at a party. Um, so I went to jail for a little while in Livingston County. Um, ended up getting bonded out or bailed out or whatever, um, and then. Uh, Went back to working on the farm, doing the same thing, you know, cocaine and drinking. And um, and then I ended up uh, headed home one night um, after I was drinking and doing drugs. Um, and I was in my bo- one of my boss's work trucks, and uh, it was like a snowy night. Um, I was probably like two miles from my house out in the country or my parents' house. And uh, ended up, I don't know if I like fell asleep or passed out, but... Uh, Ended up, like, flipping the truck multiple times, getting ejected from the truck, um, and kind of a crazy story. So, like, uh, where I wrecked, there was there was a house maybe, like, a quarter mile down the road, maybe a little farther, and uh, I don't remember any of this, but apparently I, I walked to this house, and they took me inside, got me cleaned up, uh, called an ambulance, um, ended up having to get, like, nine staples in my head, and got a DUI from it, um, and uh i remember going back and to the truck like at the junkyard and trying to see if there's any my belongings in it and dude this truck was like smashed like i don't know how i survived at all let alone only having to get a couple staples in my head um uh but yeah it was pretty crazy i ended up going back to jail after that um for like six months and then um in order for me to get out of jail i had to go to rehab so um I went down to Florida to this rehab, um, and, uh, yeah, that, it was a super nice place, you know, super nice facility, um, down in, uh, West Palm Beach, Florida, uh, but, like, the second day in, in the rehab there, uh, someone had snuck in, or, or like, I don't know if they snuck in some heroin or something, but I started, uh, they gave me some of that, and I started, I did that one time, and, uh, then I found out like this rehab, like if you weren't there to actually help yourself, if you had to be, if you're like forced to be there, like it was, 
it was not a very good place. Like, uh, there was a ton of people, you know, like just there because they had to be and they were still doing drugs. Like, they would sneak out of the rehab and go down to the corner store and get some drugs from these Jamaicans, you know, like, because, like, it was, uh, it was in West Palm Beach, Florida, which is like a nice place. But if you're in the wrong side of town, which, this rehab facility was like you just had to walk down the street and there was drug dealers just waiting to hand out drugs to these people in rehab you know um so yes yeah, i was in that rehab for like almost a year maybe um i don't know but like uh i'm you know just uh kind of messed around the whole time uh i ended up making the like halfway program and got a job at this event rental place and um just kept on doing drugs like like faking drug tests and uh not doing very good and then I ended up getting kicked out of the rehab because one of the kids that I was doing the drugs with like overdosed and so I got kicked out of rehab and it was dude it was a crazy experience because like at least like seven people while I was at this rehab died because they were doing drugs and like uh fentanyl and uh they were just like it, it was like every night there would be ambulances at this rehab um just like taking people away that overdosed um and they couldn't really stop it because uh I don't, I don't really know why but they would just keep doing the drugs um so yeah i ended up getting kicked out of the rehab um and then i went to like this halfway house uh for a little while and that obviously didn't go well i was still doing the drugs um real quick so you you made it to the halfway point and they gave you like an award but you were actually doing drugs yeah yeah i mean there was multiple people that would just uh you know fake the drug test they would just like either drink a whole bunch of water to like dilute the drug test or you know whatever um but I, I made it to halfway so then I could I got a job and was like leaving the rehab um every day to go work um so yeah I started and this event rental plant company was kind of cool like I went to all sorts of cool places like Donald Trump's house uh Whoa. all sorts of like places we would set up events and uh it was kind of cool uh like all like uh yeah, there's all sorts of places we went, but uh, um, I was not doing good then. You know, I was still doing drugs. <laughs> Man. Um, well, can I ask you a quick question? Like, this whole concept of mandatory rehab is an interesting thing in and of itself because you, like, psychology 101, psychiatrists, psychologists know this. Don't try to help someone who doesn't want to help themselves. Like right. to try to force someone into rehab to do a very difficult thing to fix a problem that they don't want to fix. It seems counterintuitive. I mean, you said some people were in fact forced to go there, like on a court order, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is what I was there doing. You know, I was I wasn't ready to, you know, change my life and get clean. I was uh, I was still young. I was like nine, nineteen, maybe. Um, I was still young, and there was all sorts of young people there too, you know? And, uh, uh, yeah, it was when I first tried heroin was at this rehab the second day there. And, uh, yeah, it was just kind of downhill from there. I, I um, want to ask like, so you were 19, so who knows, you know, what you were thinking? You're still a very young person. What, why did you, what thoughts in your head pushed you to try heroin? Yeah, so uh, I guess growing up, like, I always saw, like, the heroin addict as, like, some, like, person that looks super drugged out, you know, like, homeless, you know, whatever. But then I got to this rehab, and I saw these people that were kind of like me, you know, like, like uh, athletic, like, not, didn't really look like drug addicts doing, and they were doing heroin. So I was like, oh, 
uh, I guess it's uh, something to do, you know. I mean, maybe, yeah, I don't really know why, but I did it. And um, I didn't really start doing it hard. I was just, like, uh, I guess sniffing it then, like snorting it. Um, hmm. And then, yeah. But uh, I, I think I think heroin is more prevalent than even the stats show. And the stats show a pretty large amount, a pretty sharp increase, especially in places like central Illinois even. But, like, I've heard a lot of stories from nurses and doctors saying that people come in all the time that are that you know seem relatively stable, but they said like yeah, I, you know, this morning I snorted heroin or whatever. I didn't even know you could snort heroin, but like it seems common in a crazy way. Yeah, um, I guess it it might be. Um, it's it's a bad deal, you know. It's a horrible drug. Uh, but it it does feel like when you do it, I mean, it, I guess you could say it feels good, but uh, it's not worth it. You know, it's horrible. It uh, takes you to your lowest points of your life. It makes uh, it you. That's all you think about all day is like doing the drug or finding how ways to get the drug. You know, it's just like takes over your life, dude. And, and it's so hard to quit because like if you stop doing it, you get so sick. You know, like like deathly sick like you don't actually die but like you feel like you're going to die like it's just horrible feeling and then Mm -hmm. so like you pretty much do whatever you can do to get the drug right yeah and i know with like alcoholism for serious alcoholics the withdrawal itself can be powerful enough to kill someone it's like if you some people they've done this happened plenty of times you know they've taken an alcoholic family member who's just extreme alcoholic put him in a home in like the desert or something and just keep him there for months and they die they die even though they have food it's because their body becomes like dependent on this on this drug yeah uh i think uh yeah for sure you can die from like alcohol withdrawals and i think benzo withdrawal you can die from too but uh i don't think you can die from like uh, withdrawals from like opiates and stuff i think it's just feels like horrible you know like yeah Mm -hmm. and did you have that then well here continue on with your story you said you were visiting these it was a really kind of a cool experience at this halfway home yeah yeah i guess uh you know we were uh i was working and uh visiting these cool (laughs) spots uh ended up getting fired from that job because uh i I was wearing my work uniform and i stole a candy bar from a gas station um because i was spending all my money on you know, bad things. I didn't have any money. So I had to, I don't know, I was hungry. So I, uh, took a candy bar and then the, the cashier caught me and saw what shirt I was wearing. So they called the event rental company and ended up getting fired. So then after I got fired from there, um, couldn't really pay for my halfway house anymore. So then, uh, I guess, uh, what happened was my dad flew down and picked me up or no, he drove down. Yeah. He, I think he drove down. Yep, he drove down with my sister and then picked me up and took me home back to Illinois. Um, and let me think here. And then I started working for him. He He's like a, a project man- manager for MetroNet um, running fiber. So I was like a line – I started doing lineman work, like putting fiber up on the aerial poles and whatnot. Um, and uh, let's see here. I wasn't doing like hard drugs then, but I was like drinking and um, still not getting my life together, you know, still kind of uh, living day by day and not really, not really having any goals, um, you know, so, so then after, after a little while doing that, uh, I had decided I was going to go down to North Carolina. My aunt and uncle lived down there, um, so I was going to 
go down there and get a uh, fresh start, you know, um, and try to do good down there. Um, get away from all the people, places, and things that um, uh, I'm inclined to do doing bad things around. So um, you needed to change in scenery and environment to really, which is true. You need that if you really want to start over. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, well, I, yeah. Um, I went down there and, um, somehow I found out that someone that I had met in Florida lived in the same city, um, Greensboro. So like, like this, that the same week I moved down there, I contacted this person and, uh, got drugs from him, you know, like, uh, as soon as I went down there, I messed up, you know, um, got drugs from him and, um, started doing drugs, not, not heavily just kind of on and off um and then because i didn't really have any money you know uh at this time i uh, just had a little bit of money and then i ended up spending it all so um i started uh working for this electrician as an electrical apprentice um part-time and then landscaper the other part-time um started doing that and then i started getting money you know some some income and then of course uh spent that money on drugs um and that's when it started started getting pretty bad. Like I started uh, using I, IV use, um, like needles and stuff. Uh, like shooting up. Yeah, yeah. So like I was living with my aunt and uncle at this time, shooting up, and they they knew something was off. And they've they a couple of times they found like uh, the the needles or whatever, and they gave me multiple opportunities to change. Like you know, like they they were like, yeah, if you don't change, you can't live here. You know, I mean, we can't just, uh, keep letting you live here like this. So, uh, um, so then I kind of, I, uh, eventually like stopped doing it for a little while, you know, um, uh, went, was doing some online courses at a community college, um, trying to, trying to do good, you know, I was, I was trying, um, not hard enough, but I was trying somewhat. Um, and then, then I had the idea I was going to, apply to this, uh, like nice private college that was right down the road and try to walk onto their football team. Um, so I ended up getting accepted to this, this nice college, um, <clears throat> moved into the dorm room, uh, started walking onto the football team, like practicing with them and stuff. Um, but of course, as soon as I like got some freedom and was living by, on my own, um, in this dorm room, um, I, the drug use got worse and worse. I, uh, one of the landscapers I worked with did heroin and, uh, Jeez. so I was getting it from him and, uh, the money, the, how I was getting the money for it while I was in college. Uh, I had my, I had, uh, my mom's card connected to a Western union account that she had hooked up for me when I was uh, living down in Florida. And I still had this account. So I was like sending myself money without her knowing like $40, pretty much $40 a day. And, uh, somehow, she didn't, I guess she didn't, didn't check her bank account or something, but she didn't know until like way down the road. Um, so yeah, I guess it was, uh, then, then that's when I kind of started, uh, I got introduced to meth cause, uh, cause how that happened was the guy that the landscaper that I had worked with, um, that was getting me the heroin ended up going to rehab. So he introduced me to this lady before he left. And then, so this lady, I was, uh, getting the drugs from her. Um, and then one day she like, uh, entered, like I like had some meth and was like, Hey, try this. 
So mm-hmm. I tried it and it was like, <clears throat> it's kind of hard to describe, but it was just like pretty crazy stuff, you know, <laughs> like shooting on meth is not, it's if not good would, at all, you know. Could but. you try to explain it? Because I don't know anyone who's ever um, done <laughs> I've had some people on here that have done heroin, yeah, but never uh, um, meth. Yeah, so I guess it's just like you shoot, I, I don't really want to talk about it too oh, yeah, much, but uh, it's just no like. instructions, sure. It's just like. uh uh warm since it's kind of like heroin except like way more uh i don't know how to describe it dude. like is but, it a cozy feeling or something weird no it's just like uh like you sh- just shot up like a billion rounds of coffee <laughs> okay like, so yeah. it's like you turn into a and like that like you manic? get like the uh pretty much yeah eventually like that's what happened to me like i had went to like after like months of doing this like i was into like a psychosis state where i didn't my sense of reality was like so out of touch but yeah bad stuff dude man really worse stuff. than heroin you'd say uh yeah it definitely um not as dangerous as heroin but uh from like for like psychi- psychology like oh, what psychological psychologically things. state yeah. like it, it totally messed with my mind dude like horribly but uh but anyway so like started doing that like you know and i was like practicing with the football team every morning so like to get get up and go to these the spring training practice which was like all conditioning i would like have to shoot up like a uh, thing of meth and heroin like, you're joking yeah you went yeah. to football practice on yeah, meth and i heroin. mean i had to like to get out of bed i whoa to get out of bed i had to um to not be sick i had to do heroin to like make myself to where i'm not like falling asleep i had to do the meth and it was just like a horrible cycle dude and obviously that didn't last for long because like who can who can go to spring college spring training on meth and heroin for very long so like after the first semester doing that like I just quit college and um I remember uh we were supposed to be out of our dorms one day like because the semester was over and I remember waking up like two days after that date and like everybody was gone and I was like what what <laughs> so then I just grabbed some clothes and uh in a bag and just kind of left and uh started just uh contacted someone I knew and yeah that's when things really started getting pretty bad and dark dude um, that's when they started okay well like, geez, I mean uh yeah so like I I couldn't go back to my aunt and uncles because they they knew I wasn't doing good, and they um, they didn't want to pull your pull your mic just right, a little closer. Yeah. You're fine. Just keep going. Sorry. They didn't want to enable me. Um, oh, that's like perfect. Yeah, right. perfect. They didn't want to like enable me to continue doing this, so they didn't want me living with them, and um, so they just wanted me to, I guess, learn the hard way, which I'm thankful for. Like, and this this is like the darkest time in my life, but at the same time, I'm like most thankful for it because like it just showed me like how lost. I, I, I'm going to get like living life on my own terms, you know? Um, so yeah, uh, let's see here. Um, left college started like, like living on people's couches, like these bad people like that were obviously drug addicts and not good people. Um, and that I learned quickly that that's, I didn't want to do that anymore. Cause one time, uh, I was like, I was living, not living, but I was like staying on this person's couch. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, he ended up like drugging me and like taking advantage of me. Um, so like that, I stopped like 
living on random people's couches, you know, because, um, yeah, that's pretty bad. Uh, and what's crazy is, is like, I was so like addicted to these drugs. I knew that this had happened to me, but I was still like, um, wanting, I was still like, I guess not, not hanging out with the person, but I was still like affiliated with them. Cause like they had drugs, you know, and I was like so addicted to drugs. It didn't really matter. Um, but I stopped like staying at, at people's houses. Um, so I just started like living on the streets, like, and, um, you know, sleeping wherever I could find, you know, anywhere, honestly. Um, so if I were in North Carolina in this area at this time, there's a chance that I could have seen you in the middle of the night laying on like a sidewalk. Uh, not a sidewalk, but you know, like, uh, let's see here. Like sometimes I was like, uh, you, you'd catch me a lot of times, like in the hotel lobbies until they kicked me out. Cause, mm-hmm. but then like, uh, eventually like all the hotels, like, knew what I was doing. So they would just like, like make sure I wasn't in there, <laughs> but, uh, or like, uh, one time, um, this was like, yeah, I was just sleep wherever, dude. You know, um, most of the time I wouldn't even sleep. Like I would be up for like week and a half, two weeks at a time. Um, just like doing whatever, you know? <laughs> wow. Um, I- but yeah, so another, so like, this is kind of a crazy story. Um, um, let's see here. So one of the people I knew, um, uh, he was, he was a pretty scary dude. Um, he had asked me if I could get him some, some drugs, like, cause a lot of that, like, that's how, that's one of the ways I like would like fuel my drug use is like, I knew some drug dealers that would give me good deals. So people would come to me asking me to get them drugs. And then I would just take some of their drugs and then whatever. Um, so this dude like asked me, um, if I could get him like $500 worth of meth. And I was like, yeah, I got you. So, um, he picked me and this, this kid up that I was with. Um, and we went to this lady's house that I would normally get it from Well, she was taking too long. So he was like, ah, oh, yeah, I don't have time for this, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, we drove off and then I texted the kid and I was with him in the back seat and I was like, Hey, um, I want, I want to, uh, tell Jeremy, which is the one who wanted to get the drugs. I was like, I'm going to tell Jeremy that you can get him some. Um, so he's going to give you the money and then, uh, just don't come back and I'll meet up with you later. So, uh, he did it. And, um, like an hour went by and Jeremy's like, dude, where's this kid at? I'm like, I don't know. Uh, he must've took your money. And Jeremy was like, well, it's not my money. It's my brother-in-law's money. And then, um, I was like, well, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know where the kid went. I don't even know him that well, blah, blah. Um, and then he's like, well, you're not leaving until I, uh, you, we, you, you find him or you get the money that he has in mind. Um, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to be with you for a while. And, uh, he's like, well, uh, my brother-in-law is coming up cause it's his money. So we start, we sat in this Burger King parking lot for a while waiting on his brother-in-law who ended up, uh, being like, it was like a member of the biker club called the Renegades. And, uh, so this dude's name is dog. They called him dog. And he came up with this other dude named Stacy. And, uh, I was, dude, I don't even remember what I was thinking at this time, but I'm sure, uh, I don't even know. But, uh, so they they pull up and Stacy gets out and literally the first thing he says to me is like uh, smile for me boy, 
And I was like, I was obviously like scared. So I just like smiled and then he, he didn't say anything else. He walked back to his truck and Jeremy's like, yeah, this, this dude's, I didn't know he was going to bring Stacy. This is like the enforcer for the renegades, blah, blah. And, uh, Jeremy's like, yeah, he's, he's told you to smile. Cause he has a bag of teeth that he knocks out. And I was like, oh, well, I don't know where your money's at. And then, um, so dog came out and dog never said anything to me, but he would talk to Jeremy. He's like, I need my money, blah, blah. And, uh, I'm trying to think here. Um, eventually they left and Jeremy was like, well, uh, you can't leave until I get dog's money. Um, and I just kept denying. I just kept calling their bluff. I was like, I don't know where this kid is. Like, well, for one, I wasn't going to tell him where he, they were because the kid would rat me out. And for two, I wanted to be released so I could go get my part of the money so I could get some drugs, you know? So, like, I just kept denying it, denying it. And then, like, three or four days went by and he finally um, uh, let me go. And uh, let's see here what happened after that. So he let me go and then um, – was he like keeping you at his, his place, I guess? Uh, no. So, uh, he worked with granite and, uh, he, there was like this like old, it was kind of like an abandoned warehouse where they would like work on granite and stuff like countertops. Um, so I was just staying there, um, in this room, like pretty much held hostage, dude. Did they, how'd they keep um, you there? Did you think about running probably? Uh, you know, I thought about it, but, uh, this dude was scary and I knew like, I'm not going to try to run. I'm just going to pretend like I'm innocent and, um, um, do whatever. And plus, uh, yeah. And plus he would like, he had drugs and he was like, give me some. So, um, man, but anyways, um, they ended up letting me go and I met up with this kid, got my part of my money and then got some drugs. But then, um, like a week went by and Jeremy contacted me again. Um, cause at this time I had a cell phone, uh, for most of my time homeless, I didn't have a cell phone, but I still had a cell phone now. Um, contacted me he said hey uh, come by the warehouse um uh, i think he wanted me to get him some try to get him some more drugs so i went there and then i showed up and uh i didn't see him then all of a sudden he like walks out and like hits me with a like a little 22 pistol and he starts like screaming at me like uh you took the money i know you did well apparently he found the kid and the kid showed him the messages that i had sent him so he's like, he's like all up in my face. Like I'm like on the ground of this warehouse, like, uh, just like in a corner, like just kind of scared, you know? Um, and he's like yelling at me, pointing this pistol in my face. And then he gets out his phone and videotapes me, like admitting to taking it. Cause he wanted to clear his name with dog or whatever. Um, and I was like, yeah, dude, I took it, blah, blah. Um, I'll pay you back. And he's like, how are you going to pay me back? I was like, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll work for you. Like, uh, so then I worked, uh, I was like, did granite work with him for like months, not, not months, weeks. And then, um, and then I started like actually working for him and he would like his, his, the owner of the company would pay me like, like very little money, but, uh, it was enough money to supply my habit. So that's how I started like working with granite and quartz. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> Holy smokes, man. Uh, is that, is this hard for you to to talk about it all or is it just um, like that? no i'm just like looking back at it and like just like kind of just shaking my head like man i i wish i wish i didn't go through it but then again i'm glad i did because it just it just made me um 
made I just know I need to rely on someone higher than myself, you know, like not on myself. So, so you were working at this granite place, and it, the money was enough to. It's kind of crazy that at first they made you work slave labor to pay back. Yeah, what what, what you had taken. And then you actually started working for them. Yeah. Well, Legit- kind of working, but like, dude, I probably like over like the maybe two or three months I was working for them, I made maybe like 200 bucks, <laughs> mm-hmm. maybe more than that. I don't really remember, but it was, he owes me, he owed me so much money and I would always try to get it from him. Then he would, the owner would never give it to me because it was a shady, shady business, dude. Like, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was like in this old warehouse, um, and that's what there was like a little couch and that's where I would sleep, uh, for a while. Um, so yeah, dude. Um, and he held you at gunpoint in the corner and was videotaping you like, dude, you had to be scared for your life or were you not like, I, I keep getting this idea, this, this feeling that you're much more concerned with drugs and I can, than I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean. I was scared, but like at the same time, for some reason, I had a feeling like he wasn't going to do anything. Like, uh, I was, if it was like dog or Stacy doing it, excuse me. Um, I would have been scared, but this, this guy, uh, I could tell he had a little goodness in him. Hmm. Uh, Stacy do this. If you, if you can picture like the most scariest, uh, craziest person you've ever met in your life, this is what this dude looked like. He was like skinny, had a ponytail, and pretty much the only thing he said to me the whole time was just like smile for me boy. And oh, then, Stacy's a guy, I guess. Yeah, he's okay. a guy and he's a scary dude like yeah, and dog was just like the typical biker like big bearded like yeah, you know, so Man. But yeah, I wasn't uh, I'm sure I was scared. I don't really remember it, honestly, but I was I'm sure I was scared and I'm sure um I was just like yeah, I don't really remember honestly, dude. But uh but I guess uh let's see here. So where were we? Um well, you, you started working for him like two or three months. Yeah, and, like and it ended bucks. because uh, the the owner wanted me to get him some cocaine one time. So um, I got him the cocaine and half of the money I spent on uh, drugs for me, heroin. And uh, I met him at this like rundown bar and I gave him the – I thought I gave him the cocaine while I gave him the bag of heroin. And he went to do it in the bathroom and he like uh, just like passed out and – had to call, I had to call the ambulance and, um, yeah, he overdosed on that. And, uh, Wait, say what you mixed up again. You, you meant to I, give him what? I meant to give him his cocaine, but I gave him his heroin or and, I gave him my heroin and he went to the back. Cause it kind of looks similar, you know, it's it a must. powder and this heroin happened to be white. Um, and, and like you cocaine. snort both. You can snort both. Both. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, he did it and, he was in the bathroom for a while and I went and checked on him. He was like passed out in the stall. So, uh, yeah, I called the police or Man. not the police, but the ambulance or I had the bartender call the ambulance. Cause I don't think I had, I, th- I think at this time I didn't have a cell phone. So, right. Um, okay. as, as insane as that story is, it's almost, almost funny that you mixed up these things. Yeah. Like, hey, I guess you could, you could, I could find some humor in it, but it was just a bad deal. I'm just glad that he, ended up living because if not it would probably be a totally different story you know um so yeah obviously i didn't work for him after that really um i would still like sleep at that warehouse because like he would never come to the owner would never come to the warehouse but like um i would i would still kind of like sneak in and like sleep on the couch or there was like an old 
broken down avalanche truck that I would sleep in sometimes too. Um, and it was like in the, it was like the West market street of Greensboro, which is just like, uh, kind of like an industrial, like, like bad part of town, you know? So, um, spent a lot of time there, you know? Um, let's see here. Yeah. <laughs> and well, first of all, I'd like to formally apologize for saying that was at all funny it wasn't funny yeah but i was just saying I was like dang you mixed them up that's that's crazy yeah, but yeah anyway was not funny i apologize for saying that but okay so you're this just seems insane i mean you're sleeping in this the this truck this rundown truck uh you're homeless as far as i can tell and you're just living to do drugs it seems and you're what probably 20 years old at this point yeah, uh, actually, I think I was uh, 21. Okay. Because uh, when I was still at the college, um, I turned 21 there because I remember some that my roommates um, took me out uh, went bowling or something for my 21st birthday. Wait um, a minute. So while this is all going on, you're at – did you say you were at school? Like No, the, I was just roommates. saying uh, I turned 21 when I was in college. Okay. Okay. Uh, but the, all this is after I had left college after the first semester. Okay. So got I was it, like uh, 22 and a couple months old. Got it. Or 21 and a couple months old. Okay. I see. I see. Yeah. Well, I mean, logical next question is how do you, how do you leave this situation? Or is there another, does it get worse as you keep saying? Um, I mean, it doesn't get, I mean, yeah, it gets worse. I just keep getting more dependent on the drugs and I, my, uh, my mind just keeps getting more and more far off. Like I, I can't really even describe how the thoughts I was going through my head, like the more I did the meth, the more days and weeks I stayed up without sleep. Um, like, yeah, it was just horrible. I was completely lost, dude. I remember, um, I remember I would like, like walking down the roads at nighttime. Like, um, I was all by myself, like mostly, um, I didn't have anybody to hang out with cause like all the drug addicts and bad people around, like didn't really trust me because like I didn't really look like them you know like I, I had just gotten out of college I kind of a lot of them thought I was like police you know a lot of them thought I was like undercover or something and I'm like I'm not undercover I mean look at my arms I have track marks everywhere you know um but they would still not they would like get drugs from me or I would get drugs from them but they wouldn't really let me hang out with them you know mm -hmm. and like they were all like from that area so they knew everybody and but they didn't they didn't know me you know I was just like some random person so like I would like, I would say 80% of the time I was homeless. I was by myself, just walking around, dude, like aimlessly walking around. Um, just, you know, I like for the majority of the time I didn't have a phone. So I would like, uh, go inside ho hotels and like get on their office laptop. Like, uh, you know, like hotels, like have this, a computer. Oh, yeah. For, they have a little public computer section. Yeah. So I would like go in there and get on Facebook and try contacting people, um, to that asking if they needed anything or any drugs or if they had drugs or whatever, you know? Um, cause that's how I would supply my habit. Um, but yeah, it was just crazy, dude. Well, okay. How old are you right now? Uh, 24. You're 24 years old right, right. now. You're turning 25 tomorrow. Happy yeah. birthday. Thank you. But that's not, this did not happen. I mean that long ago. Yes. It's a few years, but what the heck happened? How did you leave this situation? What's what's the big next phase of your life? How did you turn the chapter? Um. All right. Let's see here. Uh. Well, dude, I was just uh, I kind of got tired of 
like living like I was, you know, um, and I was kind of down on my luck, you know, like down and I was feeling kind of down. Everything was going wrong. I was in and out of jail, whatnot. Um, cause I would, I would be like in and out of jail, like for criminal trespass, like sleeping, uh, places I wasn't supposed to be sleeping or like, uh, oh, here, before we proceed there, here's another kind of crazy story. Um, the, um, area that that granite shop was in and I was sleeping most of the time. Um, one night I was, I was just sitting there. Um, and I heard like these, like this, this is kind of weird, but like, I heard like screams, like, uh, like sounded like, uh, people were like just screaming, like for their lives, like a big group of people. And I was like, what in the world is that? You know, like I, for a minute, I was like, am I going crazy? Well, I was going crazy, but, uh, not to that extent. I knew what I heard, right? Like, I know mm-hmm. I heard some like blood wrenching screams and I was like, wow, that's crazy. So, uh, days went on. Um, I had mentioned it to some people that, I uh, that, um, I was getting drugs from or I was doing drugs with and they kind of like, oh, dude, you're crazy. And then, uh, one time I was, uh, with this lady in that kind of same part of town. Um, this lady that I think she was probably pretty much homeless too. I don't know, but, uh, doing drugs with her. And I had mentioned it to her and she was like, oh, you're talking the murder factory. And I was like, I, I was like, what? She's like, yeah, um, me and my boyfriend were walking down the railroad tracks one time in that same area and we heard it and we just, uh, we called the murder factory. She was, she explained it as like, uh, um, uh, uh, carnival ride breaking and people screaming. Like that's how like it, it, these screams sounded like people like were like in bad shape, you know, like mm-hmm. for their lives pretty much. And just like extreme fear. In- yeah. Like, yeah. so, um, I was like, what? So, you know, um, at this point I'm like, wow. So I'm not crazy. I did hear something. And these people like are like maybe like kidnapped people or something. So like for like at least a month, it felt like three, four months, but I think it was probably only a month. Like I like went in detective mode and like, I thought I was going to like save these people. So like for like a, a month, maybe, um, I was just like going around like, uh, in this area, like at nighttime, just like, um, seeing if I found anything suspicious, you know, like going into these places where I thought it might be like trying to find these people I like, can save them. And, uh, yeah, crazy. Like I had like, a, I had a backpack and like a little notebook, like right now I think suspicious. Dude, I, I was like out of my mind and obviously it wasn't safe, but, uh, I thought I was going to like save these people. Well, Hey, that's worth noting, man. You were, <laughs> although you were, you were, hugely reliant and i mean you're addicted to drugs you still had good in you you want to save people. Well, yeah yeah honestly that's another reason why uh people didn't really want to hang around me because like i was still like you could see some good in me like i was respectful and like nice and stuff but uh all these other people were like very bad like very disrespectful to ladies and girls and like if i ever like heard it when i was around them i'd like say like whoa come on now you know, like stop them and um but like, yeah, I was, I was, there was some good still, still in me, you know, but, uh, but I was like just addicted to drugs, like hardcore and like, um, yeah. So, but yeah, I ended up never finding them, but that's something like I prayed about for probably, I haven't prayed about it in a while, but like, I used to pray for it every night. Like God, if there was like some, something, if what I heard was real and, uh, there is people like that need help, like save them and, or like, you know, like, cause it, it was, dude, I still hear it in my, like, I can still, like, think of it and hear, like, how scary, like, those screams sounded, you know, so, Man. it's wild. Um, 
Well, <sighs> and I would like to think like sometimes I tell myself, well, maybe it was just like a recording or like a movie that someone was watching really loud, but there's no houses around. Um, and it sounded super real, dude. So I don't know. And I even like, uh, like called like anonymous tip line, like, and told like, uh, when I was like doing detective work, you know, like, uh, like, so I was like sitting in this area for months straight, like not leaving, like, and there's like this little Mexican, um, grocery store that would give me like the, bread at the end of the day like so i would eat that and i would just stay here for the month whole month i would just like walk around like these industrial parts trying to find these people and i called the anonymous tip line from a gas station telephone and like i told them about it and that i never saw a police car the whole time nice. so uh but then i ended up getting like uh arrested in this uh one like uh warehouse area in the area because i was like going through these places trying to like find these people that needed help and ended up getting like uh, criminal trespass charges, and of course I tried explaining to the cops like, "Hey, I'm trying to save these people," you know. <laughs> like, and he mm. thought I was, he of thought course, I was crazy, course. you know. But this is for real, dude. Like, I I know what I heard, and then these this lady and her boyfriend heard the same thing. Like, uh, you know, I don't know when they heard it, but they heard it too. So. Man, I I recently had on a lady who was sucked into the world of sex trafficking when she was nine, and she talks about these sheds. For some reason, it's always like big machine shed type yeah. things. And so they, when you're in the sex trafficking world, a lot of the times, you know, these, these men that are in that place, they do purposely outrageous things when they're, you know, raping a woman. Like the, for instance, they could come in and like, uh, for a really weird example, like they could come in in an alien costume, right? And then proceed to rape you because then you tell, you try to tell the police he came in in an alien costume. It's like, well, yeah, you're obviously crazy. Right. And it's like. And plus, they do an excellent job of covering stuff up. And if they can space these events out, like, who's going to be around there anyway besides, you know, someone who is, like, in your position? So yeah. there's there's an awfully high likelihood that something really was going on. But they knew that the only person that would be – if they, they weren't concerned about you telling the police because right, right, of yeah. your position. Yeah, it's just – it's crazy, man. I just hope and pray, like, whatever it was, like, God saved them or something, you know, or, like – or they the they they got caught like whoever was doing it got caught you know who knows man it's just there's a lot of what ifs or whatever, mm-hmm. you know so well okay you're saying you hope and pray it seems like prayer and, and God has been a new theme in your life and I mean look at the turnaround you've done holy smokes how you went from that to who you are now an excellent young man and a family man like what yeah, so, how did God get come um, into the picture I guess like. Uh, I was down on my luck. Like, uh, this is like maybe a month or so after all this had happened. I was still homeless. And I remember finding myself like walking down some railroad tracks and I was just like way down, dude. And I was like, remember literally like yelling, like God help me. Uh, and I had did, done this cause I remember, uh, seeing like, I don't know if it was like on a um, commercial or something, or I saw somewhere where, um, they said like cry out and yell out to God to help you. And, so I had done that and uh like on the outside like things still were bad for me but on the inside I don't remember if it was instantly or um or maybe very soon after um something on the inside definitely changed like I um couldn't re- like anytime I like said a like cuss word or something like uh like I didn't sit right with me you know I couldn't steal anything from grocery stores or anything like to eat um 
I, I guess I was just really aware of like my sin, you know, um, aware of all the bad I was doing. Um, so then, uh, once that happened, like, I mean, I started getting really like hungry and down on my luck, like, uh, cause I couldn't steal like food anymore. Um, so let's see here. Um, but I was still homeless and still like addicted to drugs and still, um, whatever. Um, so any one time it was like on Christmas Eve, like even after I had cried out for God to help me, like it was Christmas Eve and I was, uh, it was really late and I was in a spot where, um, I was like in downtown Greensboro for some reason and I was super hungry and there was nowhere to get food. Cause sometimes you could walk in a homeless person could walk into a fast food place and they would give them some free food. Well, everywhere was closed. It was Christmas Eve, maybe like midnight or one o'clock in the morning. And I was so hungry, dude. Like this is kind of embarrassing, but like I ate like a, like I went to a dumpster behind a restaurant and like ate some like chicken wings. That's how hungry I was, you know? Um, so like, obviously that does something to you. Like, wow, like, wow, I'm in a bad spot. You know, if I'm eating chicken wings in a dumpster, you know, um, but, but still, I didn't, uh, still, I was, you know, uh, trying to find drugs and stuff. Uh, but, um, and then one time I was, uh, this was when I was starting to get really cold. Um, it was raining one time and, uh, I, all the hotels around, like I couldn't go in cause they, they didn't really let me. Um, so it was raining and I was cold and the only place I could go, I was in a spot where there wasn't many businesses and or anything. So I just like literally hopped in a dumpster and sat in this dumpster with the lid over me, like, uh, out of the rain, um, sat there like for hours, you know, just, uh, trying to stay warm. Um, uh, crazy thing is, is I actually had found a $5 bill in that dumpster that night. And, uh, cause I was like, you know, I was like digging through the trash, like seeing what I could find, you know, I was sitting in a dumpster. What else are you going to do? <laughs> so like, I found a little $5 bill. And, uh, so when it stopped raining, I got out and I went and, uh, I knew there was a, uh, restore or was it restore? Yeah. Some secondhand store. And I was, I was thought to myself, well, I'm going to go buy like a nice dress shirt and go try to get a job somewhere, you know? Um, wow. So I walked in, I bought a little egg sandwich from this diner on the way there. And I walked to the restore, got a nice shirt, um, with my $5. And, uh, cause I, it was like the only time I actually had cash. Most of the time I got drugs was from, uh, you know, people would want me to get drugs. So I would get it for them and then take some of theirs or something, you know? Um, so I got this nice shirt and walked, started walking down the road. And I, uh, first place I stopped was at this like a uh, barbecue restaurant. Um, and, uh, asked, uh, to fill out application. Well, he gave me an application. I started filling it out and then they asked for my phone number. I didn't have a phone. They asked for my ID. I didn't have an ID. Uh, and then I started thinking, I was like, how's this even going to work? I don't even have a place to live. I can't even shower. I can't even sleep anywhere near here. Well, I could, but I don't want to. And uh, I don't have a phone. I don't have an ID. So I was just halfway through the application. I just got out and left. You know, I was like, this is pointless, you know. Um, so after that happened, uh, um, let's see here. It was soon after that I ended up, uh, what happened? Um Oh yeah. I went back to the, that, uh, truck I was sleeping in at the warehouse. And then, um, well, the, uh, the current owner of that place found out and called the cops. And then I got arrested for another criminal trespass sleeping in that truck. 
so I was in jail and then finally, uh, um, I was like, all right, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm going to go get some help, get a rehab. Um, so I got a hold of my aunt and uncle and they, uh, signed me up for a rehab down in Texas. Um, and, uh, that's when I, like, I was ready to change. You know, I was, I had went to lower than I could ever imagine going, you know, I was, I was tired. I was, you know, I was just like, dude, this is not good, you know? Um, so I went to a rehab and down in Texas and, um, started like actually praying like every morning, you know, just simple prayer for my family, for myself. And just, I didn't really know much about prayer at the time. I just knew that, um, I knew I believed in God and I knew that that was something that, uh, saved me, you know? Um, so excuse me. Oh, you're um, fine. How'd you check into the rehab place? If you don't mind me asking, like how'd that happen? Uh, I, I just, uh, my, my aunt signed it up for me. Uh, I called her through the jail phone. I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm ready to go to rehab for real this time. Um, so she had gotten hold of rehab down in Texas. Uh, it was a watershed, which is the same, uh, business or rehab that I went down in Florida, but they had a Texas version. She was like, well, obviously the Florida one didn't work out for you. So let's try the Texas one. Um, cause this is a, it's a pretty good rehab, you know, um, a lot of people do get help from it and I ended up getting help from it. But, uh, so I went down to Texas, started praying, um, and started, uh, my aunt sent me like this little MP3 player with like FM on it. And, uh, I started listening to like Christian music, like, um, and what's kind of funny cause, uh, months prior or before this, if you asked me what kind of music I liked, I would say, uh, anything but gospel music, you know, like, isn't I, that kind of weird? I've, oh, I've heard a lot of people say that. Yeah. Like it's I was strange. like throughout my whole life, if you asked me like what, uh, what music I listened to or like, like listen to, I'll say anything but gospel music. Like, but at the time I, my, my picture of gospel music was like old hymns and stuff, which I, now I enjoy. But back then I was like, ah, I don't, I don't want to listen to that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, got this little MP3 player, started listening to like, uh, I think it was like air one is like the station I started listening to. And, you know, like I found, found like a lot of hope and like, uh, I, I started feeling something good coming, you know, like I've started like, uh, and I, now that I, uh, know more about it, like that's for sure the Holy spirit. Like I was like, felt like, felt like I've never felt before, you know, like felt good, wanted to change my life, felt like I wanted to do good for me and other people and just wanted to um, change, you know. So like day by day, like I started uh, um, working on myself um, and uh, let's see here, Um, I was at this rehab, was doing pretty good at the rehab, you know, Um, met some good people. Uh, It was a good, good group of people in the rehab. Uh, um, So we all were just trying to um, get our lives back on track, you know. and see, uh, I was, uh, so my wife was working at this rehab. Um, your now wife, not then wife, not, yeah, not then wife, but now wife was working at this rehab and, um, like as an employee, like like she worked and helped the, right, right. Um, which whatever, but, uh, she worked there. Wait, wait, what would you say? Whatever. It's whatever. Like, uh, so like obviously it's kind of I'm probably frowned upon for like an employee to run off with like a client but like in this situation it was just God's work you know because like now looking back at it it was like it was for sure meant to be it was like some uh you know divine intervention that truly helped both of our lives you know Hmm. um so yeah I guess uh 
she was working at this rehab and I, um, she was obviously a very beautiful lady and I, but I didn't really see myself ever having a chance with her. You know, I was like this drug addict in rehab, didn't have any money, didn't have a phone, didn't have anything. Um, but I, I, uh, just, I noticed her and I noticed that she saw nothing but good in people and she was just like an amazing, uh, woman. So, um, I had found out that she was married, but they were separate. It was like an arranged marriage deal didn't work out. So she was, she was, uh, um, not happy with their marriage or, and they were separated. So, um, one day we were, I was talking to her about it and, uh, I was like, well, when I get, uh, I remember I said, when, uh, when I get rich, I'll, I'll come rescue you and we can uh, run off together and whatnot. She's like, I remember her saying, she's like, well, you don't have to be rich, blah, blah. And I was like, well, all right. So then that, that night I was like, I was sitting there thinking, you know, um, I was like, well, I'm, I wrote a poem and I got this magnolia flower off this tree. And, uh, and I, I know this is God cause I've never written a poem. I would never write a poem. And this poem was pretty dang good, dude. Like, you know, and, and I, I'm no, no poet that's for sure. So I was like, well, this is, this is sweet. So I, uh, got this poem, this flower, put it in a little box it's actually a fun dip box because I didn't have no boxes. I was in rehab and we had, so I found this little fun dip box and I put it in a box, um, put it in my book bag because I didn't really want anybody knowing that I was giving, you know, this work, the one of the employees like this poem and flower. I didn't want her to get in trouble, you know. Um, and it was risky to begin with because she, ne- like, we had never really talked about anything like this, you know. And but, uh, but all she said is I didn't have to be rich to, um, for me to rescue her or like, uh, run away with her. So next day, um, after class and whatnot, I give her this box and like, Hey, here's a, here's something for you. And she's like, uh, can I open it now? I'm like, no, nah, just wait. But, uh, she's like, well, I want to open it now. So I was like, all right, you can open it now. And she opened it and, uh, she read it and, uh, I could tell it hit her hard, you know? And she's like, uh, she, she like gave me a little hug and, um, gave me her number And, uh, so that night I called her off one of my uh, roommates phones and, uh, she's like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to buy you a phone and everything. And so we can talk so that, that next day she bought me a phone, whatever. Um, and then, uh, our rehab was going to go see the movies, uh, that day. So I got my phone was messenger, whatever. We were supposed to go see the movies. Um, it's like, Hey, come, come to the movies, you know, we can watch a movie or whatever. Um, so, uh, we go to the movies, she shows up the, the texts at the rehab, like the people that are watching us, making sure we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Um, was like, Hey, uh, uh, she, t- they told her that she can't be here. Like she can't watch the movie with me or whatever. And I was like, why not? You know? Um, they were like, well, it's just, uh, I don't really know why, but I guess because, um, patients aren't, aren't supposed to be, you know, uh, uh, seeing, we weren't even seeing each other. We were just like friendly, you know, uh, watching a movie, you know, but they okay. told her she couldn't be there. Um, I was like, well, then if she can't be here, I'm not going to be here, you know? So, um, I just left with her <laughs> and, uh, huh. we're like, That's well, productive well we had in, uh, previously that day, it might have been two days. Uh, the movie might have been two days after I'd given her the poem. I'm not really for sure, but uh, it was very soon. And uh, we had talked about um, her going back to Illinois with me, and uh, you know, just us, you know, uh, being a couple or whatever. And we had briefly talked about it, not not in too too much detail, but uh, um, 
let's see here. So yeah, we left the movies and, uh, we were talking. I was like, well, uh, I left the rehab, so I can't really go back because <laughs> 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 I had just left. If I go back, then, uh, then I would have to start all over. I would have to start from day one, like in the inpatient part. So mm-hmm. then that means like no, no privileges. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. So she, we were like, well, I guess we'll just go back to Illinois. And, uh, yeah, we went to her apartment, packed, she packed her things up and then we drove back to Illinois that night. Quick question. Yeah. How, how was your experience, uh, drug wise in Texas and did it go better? Like as far as staying clean? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I was, I was doing good in Texas. Um, I was, yeah, it was got like, it was because I was like growing my faith with God, you know, um, I was focused on him and I was focused on getting my life better. I was working out, um, uh, just actively trying to do better, you know? Um, and like, uh, this, this is the first time in life. Like I had actually been praying, you know, like every morning I would pray and like back in North Carolina, I would try to pray like, uh, when I was in jail or like even on the streets, like I would try to pray, but I would never finish a prayer. Like my mind was just so scattered. Like I would start praying and then before I know it, I'm thinking or doing something else. I would never like end with the amen, you know, I would, mm-hmm. I would just like, it was bad. Excuse me. Um, so yeah, you moved back to Illinois, you back to Illinois, back together. Yeah. Where'd you live? Uh, so we got an apartment in Bloomington. Um, she had a little bit of money saved up. My grandparents also helped me. Uh, we, we got a little apartment, um, started, uh, one of my, I went fishing with one of my buddies and he was like, Hey, uh, I told him that we were looking for a church and he was like, Hey, uh, come, come, uh, come to our church in Lexington, the Lexington community church. I was like, all right. So we started going there and uh, just fell in love with it, you know, the pastors, the people. And uh, I started really learning um, what it meant to, like, just accept Jesus in your life. Like, and you should, like, started learning about him and learning about uh, God and the Holy Spirit and what uh, Jesus has done for us. And the more I learn, the the better my life gets, you know. But, like, there's still, like, it's not perfect. Like, uh, I still have hard days sometimes, hard, hard times, you know, but uh, I guess you could just, uh, those hard times don't hurt as bad when like, you, you know, and you're sure that your, uh, eternity is secure, you know, mm-hmm. like, and that's, that's for real. Like, uh, I just like uh, looking back, like this is like, this is better than any of the drugs, you know, like this is like, uh, learn about God and having his Holy spirit in you and like praying for it to fill you more every day. You know, it's just like, it's like, it's like, the best drug in the world, you know, cause like, you don't, you're, there's no withdrawals from it. And, uh, it's just the feeling of it is just like, is like very good. You know, like, uh, coming here today, I was like, man, I was like just jamming out to some, uh, I think it was like Crowder or something. I got a Crowder CD and, uh, I was just jamming out to some, some Christian music, you know, and it was just like what I, that, what that feeling was, was just like, man, this is way better than anything else. Man. It's like everyone has a God sized hole in their heart that you try to fill with who knows what girls, drugs drinking right. uh, maybe even a, a weird a specific hobby or something but it's just never full until god rests in there it's like we're restless until we rest in god right that's like. that's right you know um and like one one thing i noticed is like uh so like growing up like if you asked me if i believe in god i would say yeah yeah i believe in god you know um whatever i i I didn't, uh, I knew who Jesus was. I knew he was God's son, but I didn't really know anything that he's done for us, you know? But, uh, so obviously just believing in God for me didn't save me. You know, I was, I still messed my life up 
horrendously, you know, like, uh, yeah, just made a huge mess of it. But it was, it wasn't until like I started praying and, uh, asking God to open my heart to him and open my eyes to him, you know, um, and like learning about Jesus. That's when like some good work started happening in my life, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's just a good thing, man. It's it's like a lot of the time I think people when they're younger, you know, the, everyone says, you know, I believe in God, but really it's like a hollow proclamation of what you believe. It's like, yes, I believe in God, but there's nothing behind it really. And it seems like you have to go through, you have to live a lot of life and learn a lot of things before rather than being hollow, your faith actually has something to it, you know? It right. actually has something in it. And it seems like to me it's fascinating because I feel like the Holy Spirit you say what you want. You can get theological. You, you can say the Holy Spirit's always with you, but like something really happened. It's like this Holy Spirit came into your heart and soul when you're walking on those railroad tracks and you were calling out for help, and all of a sudden something clicked and you couldn't steal from uh, you know the grocery stores anymore. Yeah. It's like the Holy Spirit came back and took control of your conscience in some small way. Right. And it seemed like things just started building from there. Yeah, yeah, it really did. You know, I mean. Uh Obviously, as I as I said, like I still <laughs> experienced a lot of hard things even after that happened. But mm-hmm. um, on the inside, it just like you said, it just started building up like goodness. And then finally, I was uh, I was to a point where I wanted to get get the help I needed. You know, um, yeah, it's just a good thing, dude. Um, someone was telling me uh, one of our pastors at church I was talking to the other day is like, uh, there's a difference between between uh, being a fan of Jesus and a follower of Jesus, you know, um, you can be a fan all you want. Um, but until you actually follow him and want to learn about him and believe in him and, uh, realize that he died, um, on the cross in our place. So we could, uh, you know, just receive God's glory and his, uh, not God's glory, but God's favor and his love, you know? Um, and then, and then in return, uh, just give the glory back to God and, uh, just, uh, worship him and love him and love others, you know? That's pretty good. It's one thing to be a fan, but another thing to be a follower. It's like yeah. being a follower, it's not easy, by right. the way. It's, oh, yeah. it's yeah. tough. Yeah, it is. It, it's tough, uh, but it's rewarding, you know? Like, it's rewarding on the inside. Like, you just feel like a better person. You're, um, yeah, it's just, dude, it's like night and day difference. Like, from the person I was to the person I am. And uh, it's only, is it's not anything I've done. Uh, my, my ways are went downhill you know uh but 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 what god did and jesus did and the holy spirit did in my life is just it's just uh so i'm so thankful for it and it's humbling you know like it's humbling because like i know like my ways are are bad you know Mm -hmm. but uh with jesus in my life my 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 ways can be good i can i can uh the holy spirit can help me with things you know so well, tell me a little bit about your wife, if you don't mind, because that's an interesting story. What yeah. the heck of an origin story <laughs> that you're going to tell your kids? And you have you have a, I mean, how old is your kid now? Uh, he's like seven months and a couple days. Holy cow! Yeah, man. yeah, he's he's doing great, man. Actually, he uh, he's he's a little he was born premature, so he's born like uh, two months early. Like so, he was like two pounds, like eleven ounces when he was born. So he's a he was a little guy, but. Thankfully, dude, he's fully healthy and he's growing quick and he's, uh, he's just an amazing, amazing son, you know, and, uh, what's his name? Isaiah. Isaiah. Yeah. Nice, it means uh, God is salvation. So, wow. Yeah. And, and your wife, when did you guys get married? Uh, July 11th, uh, 2020. All right. Yep. That's an important date to yeah. remember. <laughs> yeah, right. How long were you dating before that? Um, 
I don't remember exactly, maybe a year, you know. Uh, but we knew, dude, we, dude, she's so amazing. I mean, like, I knew, like, this is the lady I want to marry, you know. Like, uh, this is the lady I want to have be with forever because she is, she is really amazing. Um, uh, just encourages me to continue my uh, my my life with uh, leading with God, you know. Um, she's very encouraging with that, encourages me in all other ways. Um just uh and just is very very good she's a very good person so man and and where are you working at now if you don't mind me asking yeah uh so currently uh actually working at heartland granite and quartz um <laughs> it's kind of funny yeah. and that's how that's how god works to do so like the first day we were back in illinois i was uh went to see my dad and uh where his uh warehouse was and we were leaving there me and jenny were we were leaving and uh She's like, hey, there's a granite spot. Didn't you say that you worked with granite some back in North Carolina? Um, she didn't know the extent of the story then, but she does now. But uh, I was like, yeah, I she worked. at least will now. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I worked. I worked there. I worked uh, some granite. So we, uh, we, I walked in and asked if they needed help, and the the bottom, the lady was like, yeah, um, we need help. So I started working like that next week, and uh, started. Uh, Started out just uh, learning things because they they had like big machines like CNC machines like it was all like uh, high tech stuff and how, what I was used to is just like little hand tools cutting slabs off the back of trucks you know like it just all craziness but uh but then I uh, I currently I like I'm I kind of run the shop like all the programming and stuff uh, <laughs> uh, kind of supervise and train some uh, some people that are learning right now but uh, however. Uh, the 28th uh, is my last day there. No, uh, this coming Thursday is my last day there. The 28th, I start uh, at a job. I got a job with the town of Normal um, Street Division, so I'm going to be working there. It's a, I'm very excited for that opportunity. You know, It's kind of funny. I was telling Jenny the other day, I was like, uh, <laughs> I was living on the streets, and now I'm going to be working on the streets. You know? <laughs> you know, that's, that's just how God works, dude, for real. Um, Man. Well, okay. So Jenny, that's your wife. Yeah. She sounds amazing. Congrats on, on your new child. Thank you. He sounds amazing as well, Isaiah. And I, I want to ask one more kind of a wrap up question here. And it's a tough one. But looking back, man, what do you what what are some things that you're especially grateful for? Maybe experiences or people or things. There's probably a lot, but maybe you can name just a few. Um, let's see here. Things I'm thankful for. Uh you know, you could have been, you could have been down in the dumps and let yourself just keep going that direction. Right, right. dude. Honestly, the, I'm just most thankful for God, dude. I, that's the number one thing, of course, because uh, I could, I could be still there, still homeless, still uh, addicted to drugs, or I could be worse. I could be dead. Like many times, I was overdosed to a point where I was blue, and uh, many times, like Narcan, like multiple times. Many times, didn't even have Narcan. Just somehow, like woke up from. And I look down and my hands are blue and my face is blue and I'm like, wow, what just happened? You know, um, I'm thankful. Like he's, he's, he saved me for a reason. And hopefully that reason is just to have a, a wonderful life with my family, you know, and, uh, help others any way I can. Um, thankful for that. I'm thankful for, uh, you know, like my, of course my family, like they've, uh, you got a good family. That's I for do. Sure, man. Yeah, I do. And you know, um, a lot of people are like, "Oh, your family's not good. They they let you go through like living on the streets, being homeless." I'm like, honestly, oh, like, please. honestly, people. like they they uh, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be where I am today. For first of all, second of all, 
they, they couldn't do nothing about it. Like they tried to help me. They tried many times to help me and I was just like not having it. I wanted it to continue to ruin my life essentially, you know? Um, but they, they were always there for me. Um, they always had my back and, uh, never, they never gave up on me. You know, of course, when I was going through these really hard times, they were like, they were just like, well, um, I guess they just hoped that I was going to change. Excuse me. Um, and, and also they, they, uh, they knew that enabling me wasn't good. Like they didn't want to give me money to get an apartment cause they knew I would spend the money on drugs or they didn't want to, uh, let me live with them cause they knew I would continue to do the drugs and, uh, you know, continue my life how it was, you know, but I had to, I had to go very, very low in my life in order to, um, just to see the, the goodness that God provides, you know, um, and to just see how bad, bad off I was. It's um, like when you lay a foundation, man, you gotta, well, it's like you have to hit rock bottom and that's where you ba- yeah, build your foundation. Well, rock bottom you know? and like my rock bottom was like below the rocks, you know, for <laughs> real. Like it was, it was bad, dude. Um, and some stories, like there's even some crazier stories that I'm, I'm not looking to share, but, uh, <laughs> sure, man. Yeah, well, uh, that's really saying something given what you have shared. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's wild, dude. Um, but yeah, I'm thankful for my family, fa- thankful for God. Um, very thankful for my wife. Um, she's a, a big part of who I am today. Um, she's helped me in many ways, you know, helped me, uh, grow in my faith. Um, helped me to be a, good husband and a good father, you know, um, thankful for her, thankful for her family, thankful for, um, all my friends and church members and pastors at my church. Cause without them, you know, like, like, it's just another thing, like just believing in God doesn't, didn't save me, but like learning about God and like, uh, learning about his grace, like, and about, um, what that means and learning about Jesus. And like, that's, that's where, that's where, I was able to really work on myself, you know, when I'm learning about that. Man, dude. Um, yeah. Who else am I thankful for? Everybody, you know. I mean, my friends, my friends are st- still with me. Like some of them, I, some of them I don't get to talk to as much anymore. But I still like some. They're all still brothers to me, you know. Um, uh, yeah, you know, it's just it's a good thing. I just I just uh, and I pray every morning for my friends and family to. Um, come to know God more and accept him and lean on him, you know, um, cause it's, it's, it's a, it's a saving grace, you know, it's, it saves, saved me for sure. It turned me into a, a better person. You know, I'm, I'm still far, very far from perfect, but at least I'm trying to, trying to be more like Jesus and less like myself, you know, um, mm-hmm. that's a good song too. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, it is absolutely amazing looking at you right now while you're telling me these stories. I'm like, dude, how far you've come is is, is extraordinary. Yeah. You're uh, not only are you a nice guy. I mean, look, you're a young guy. You're a handsome guy. You're married. You've got you've got a kid. You're doing things right. I mean, the way you speak, you're intelligent. Uh, it's incredible to think you were where you were not too long ago. Your story is just extraordinary, man. Talk about a story of perseverance. My fist has been clenched half of this show because it's just so intense and it's so inspiring and so moving, dude. I mean, especially knowing who you are just makes it that much more moving and touching. And I just want to say, like, I, I thank you. First of all, I'm extremely Appreciate proud that. of you, dude. Yeah, thank you. Uh, proud of me. I uh, <laughs> I didn't do nothing, dude. Like, honestly, I, I don't deserve any of this, you know, like, and, and none of us do, but, like, it's just... 
once again, it's God, dude. Like, uh, I didn't do nothing. I, I what I did was ruin my life. Mm-hmm. And, and but but what I did do is uh, uh, start to lean on God and uh, accept Him and His Son. You know, that's what I did do, and I'm thankful for that. So incredible, man. Well, Garrett Taylor, thank you so much for coming on to the show today and telling your story. What what an incredible testimony that is. And again, just thank you. It's an honor to have you here. Yeah, no problem. Uh, one, uh, actually, one other thing I was thinking I was you going bet. to do this morning. Uh, so this morning I was reading through uh, my Bible, the book of Psalms, and uh, uh, Psalm 107. Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to read you part betcha. of it because it, it was like it was like it had my name all over it. I was like, dang, this is like this is like uh, pretty much pretty much me, you know. Um, let's see here. Find it. I'm excited. I'm interested. Going it's, just old like, it's just like, it's just, it's just, uh, shows God's love for even the, the low, low in life. You know, like he saves, he saves everybody, dude, whoever, whoever wants to lean on him. It says, uh, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, and from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to to a city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to their Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. So, yeah, I was reading that. I was like, you know, I was going through the book of Psalms is like something I, if I, if I have some time, I just read through, I just flip through some of them and read them. And this morning I was reading through them. I saw this one. I was like, huh, that's pretty good. You know, so Dude, that, that is you to a T. Yeah, I mean, the hungry, yeah. steadfast love, lead him to a city that, right, oh my right, gosh, so. incredible stuff. Garrett yeah. Taylor, man. Again, thank you. That was I appreciate you, awesome. man. I appreciate you having me. You know, it's, uh. This is obviously a pretty scary thing to do, and um, you betcha, uh, you betcha. I'm extremely vulnerable, and I, yeah. I respect you a lot for it. I, I, I appreciate you, man. You're good. You're good at this. So, thank you. Absolutely, my pleasure. That was Garrett Taylor. And before we wrap up, I just want to say thank you so much for watching this episode of the Paul Garcia Show. If you appreciate the episode, please give it a like, leave a comment, and give it a share as well. And if you appreciate this show, a fantastic and zero-cost way to support it is by subscribing to my page on YouTube and liking my page on Facebook and following me on Instagram. If you'd like to support this show's production financially, please consider becoming a patron on patreon.com forward slash Paul Garcia, where you can get early access to each and every episode and have your name run across the screen at the beginning of every show for as little as one dollar a month and also you can donate to my show on venmo any dollar amount at the username the paul garcia show until next sunday i'm paul garcia god bless and have a great week garrett you're the man ah you're the man bro god's the man <laughs> god's the man <laughs> boom